The views expressed by the host on this program, documented to be almost always right, 99.8% of the time. It's great to have you here, folks. Great to be back. And I apologize again for the sudden absence last week. I hated it, but it's over and I'm here now. No, I hated not being here. And when when there's an absence like this, the first day back, I have this compulsion to catch up on everything that that happened when I was out. Because it, if, if I don't talk about something, did it really happen? If I don't have a chance to address something, do you really know what there is to know about it? And so days like this where there was voluminous stuff and omnivorous stuff that happened all during the past week, I want to try to catch up on as much of it as I can. It may appear hopscotch and uh, chaotic, but it isn't. There's a rhyme and reason to everything. Grab soundbite number 33. This happened last Thursday. January 16th on Capitol Hill. This, I didn't see this when it happened. It stunned me when I found out about it. I didn't, in fact, when I heard that, I didn't believe this. I, I, I was pleasantly surprised when I confirmed that it happened. This is CNN and their liberal hack reporter, Manu Raju. Senator McSally, should the Senate consider new evidence as part of the impeachment trial? Manu, you're a liberal hack. I'm not talking to you. You're not going to comment, Senator? You're a liberal hack. What? What? Martha McSally? Remember when she was running, a number of people objected to her because she was a rhino-type Republican, that she was a, well, for lack of a, I mean, I'm not crazy about it, Bush Republican, meaning whatever the media says, don't, don't fight it, go along with it. The Republican's role is to take the excrement sandwich. And she just comes, you're a liberal hack. I'm not talking, Manu Raju, you're a liberal hack. I'm not talking. And you know what happened after the CNN had a meltdown? They had a meltdown and they had panel discussions over what Martha McSally said and how dare she and how anybody and how this was an attack on the Constitution and it was an attack on the First Amendment. You know, CNN is classic They can dish out all the lies. They can bully. They can attempt to destroy anybody they want. But you hit back at them. Oh, my God, that's not fair. You can't do it. They get all bent out of shape about it. Martha McSally is one of the four Republicans. If my theory happens to be, and it's not just mine, by the way, but she's one of the four Republicans that the Democrats, I think, are trying to make nervous and the, 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 McSally, she was, she's considered to be in the Susan Collins camp. Well, I'm not sure what Trump did could look bad. I don't know. I might have to. I might have to vote. I might have to vote. To, I don't know that she and there's a couple others in there in, in uh, supposedly risky reelections are being targeted to uh, you know, do a Jeff Flake, essentially, and. Uh, and bail on the president. It doesn't sound like she is of that mindset here at all. So I just I just wanted to uh, point this out. Uh, okay, here we are at the top of the soundbite roster, audio soundbite number one. All day yesterday and during the night, last night, well, no, I know that McSally is a former fighter pilot, and, and she's not afraid of a sea, and it's not my point. 
My point is that uh, may, am, am I confusing her with someone? Somebody during the primary battle for her seat, there were some Republicans uneasy that she wasn't a so-called conservative. Well, I thought I usually am, and and, and th- this is she is not known for talking like this to the drive-by media. You're a liberal hack, Manu. I'm not talking to you. It ought to be the standard answer that every Republican gives these people rather than accepting the premise every day that the media throws out. Oh, Mr. Limbo, that'd be unnecessarily unnecessarily combative. What do you think it is every day? It's called joining the battle. Anyway... um, I I just was I was I was pleasantly surprised by it. Now she yes she was a former um, fighter pilot, and I never thought she was afraid of CNN reporter. Not that I just and I don't think she's afraid of them now. Manu Raju, right? <laughs> You're a liberal hack, Manu. I'm not talking to you. And then the CNN meltdown about it was the was the classic. Anyway, here's Jim Shudo. From this morning on CNN. Happening now. Pro-gun advocates are rallying in Virginia's capital. So far, it's been peaceful. Officials are bracing for the participation of hate groups, white supremacist groups, to disrupt the demonstrations, which, of course, are taking place on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. The drive-by media is hoping that it doesn't remain peaceful. And all day yesterday and last night, I mean, I, yeah, I was watching the football championship games, but I was intermingling some show prep along with it. And you could tell the drive-by media was just hoping that this rally in Virginia today would turn horrible and terrible, and it would be a repeat of Charlottesville. I guarantee you that's what they were hoping it would be, so they could link Trump to it. So far, nah, nothing of any consequences happened. It's a gun rally in one way, and a bunch of bunch of people are trying to. And Antifa was supposed to join, which was guaranteed to make it uh, out of control. And it's just another example of drive-bys hoping that something bad would happen. And so far, nothing has. Here's uh, here's Biden. This is uh, by the way, this Martin Luther King Day. Whatever happened to, I hope someday my children will be judged by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. Whatever happened to that in the Democrat Party? Because that is gone and that hasn't been operative in the Democrat. It's all the color of your skin and it's all your sexual orientation. It's all your sexual preference. Speaking of that, do you know there's a book out, Why Young Boys Are Afraid of Sex? Snurdly, were you ever afraid of sex? I mean, even back in the days, few though they were that you were a virgin, were you never were afraid of sex? What well, is a book out about how young boys today are? They're they're afraid. What? No, no. Well, if you take the premise seriously, yeah, you feel sorry for them. <laughs> Who in the world? What? <laughs> but it's it's nothing. It's, it's nothing unusual. You know what the book, these guys are afraid, performance pressure the first time they won't meet expectations. Well, hell, there's nothing new about that. That doesn't suggest there's anything out of whack today. 
whack, maybe not the best choice of words in this particular subjectarium. Anyway, it's Martin Luther King Day. Here is Plugs Biden yesterday, Bethlehem Baptist Church in Columbia, South Carolina. This president and his the Ku Klux Klans and the rest of them, they think they've beaten us again. But they have no idea. We're just coming back. God love you all. We're just coming back. Where you been? Just coming back from one president and his Ku Klux Klans. Remember that poll that we had about 10 days ago? The political makeup of the population country. 24% of the people in this country identify as liberal. 37% conservative and about the same number independent. And it's long been my point that we are, we're being governed by a minority. And we're being governed against our will. That, that 24% of people identifying themselves as liberal, but look at where they are. They're in Hollywood and media, education, academe, and so forth. So they're, they're, they're concentrated in the areas of culture which have a lot of power over the influence of public opinion. But they are a minority. And my point is, when you got Biden and the Democrats running around accusing all these Trump voters of being members of the Klan, what in the world do they think they're going to do? Their whole objective, if you stop and think, the whole objective when they started all of this with the Russia collusion narrative was to separate Trump voters from Trump. That's They knew they had to do that. They bombed miserably. They failed doing that. So now they've got plugs and the rest of these guys out talking about Trump voters as members of the Klan? How is that going to separate Trump voters? from? And if they can't do that, they don't have a prayer winning. If Trump holds its base, it's over. And he's going to hold his base, and he's expanding uh, his base at the, at the same time. So let me, let's get started with some uh, some phone calls early. I've got a piece here from Mr. Newt that I want to get into. Trump impeachment will bring Pelosi and House Democrats condemnation by history. That's probably true, but we need that condemnation to happen before history. He's talking about the history that's going to be written after everybody's gone. There is uh, O McConnell creates kill switch. To end impeachment if it becomes a circus run by Adam Schiff. If, if it becomes a circus, it will become a circus. That's the whole point of it is to make it a circus. PJ Media, Trump has the lowest average unemployment rate of any president in recorded history. And another story from PJ Media. Under Trump... America may be its strongest since the end of World War II. Now, this story is especially poignant, and it is especially timely. The establishment of the current world order, and I don't mean this in a conspiratorial sense. There is a world order, and it is operated and maintained by what you would consider to be the worldwide establishment, call it deep state, administrative state, whatever you want. It exists, and it was, McCain even 
referred to it frequently when Trump was running for the presidency. McCain wrote, why in the world would we want to blow up this order that we established after World War II? Uh, because this order that we established subordinated the United States to a bunch of inferior nations on the basis that a singular powerful superpower like the United States destabilized the world. Americans thinking that is preposterous. And Trump has indeed blown it up. He went to Davos. He went to Davos two years ago, and he told the people, all of these billionaires and industrialists and capitalists, and he told them what was going to happen. He told them that he was going to reshape the world order. He's done it. Got a good start on it. He didn't go to Davos last year because the government shut down, but he's going to go to Davos today. May already be there speaking to him tomorrow, and he's going to tell them what's coming next. And this is an article that explains, ask yourself this, America may be its strongest since the end of World War II. There's been a lot of time since the end of World War II, and the United States has been a superpower for all of that time. How can it be, and I'm not doubting the assertion, I believe it. How can it be that the United States is today its strongest since the end of World War II? Why not the boom 80s? Why not the Clinton boom 90s, they said? Why why now? And there is a specific answer to this that relates straight to Donald Trump and his view of the United States and its place in the world. And by any measure, economic gains, economic strength, economic power, jobs, you name it, it is absolutely true. And it has been achieved in three years. So what happened in all of the years prior? So I, w- I want to delve into this because it's a... I think a very important point for as many people as possible to understand is, like I said in the first hour, the idea that America is not the good guys and that there are prominent Americans, primarily Democrats, but a lot of them who think America is the problem in the world. And the problem stems from our size. It stems from our power both military and economic, and that we're not the good guys. I just, that is so foreign to me. As much good as we do for the world, as much good as we do for ourselves, and we have no competitor in increasing the standard of living, life expectancy, economic prosperity, reduction in poverty, there's no nation even close And yet this is seen as a problem by a lot of people. It irks Trump. It's always bothered him, and it's one of the things that he is attempting to reverse. A quick timeout. We'll come back and get back to the phones. Don't go away. Meeting and surpassing every and all expectations held by you, the audience, each and every day here at the EIB Network. Okay, back to the phones. 
This is Scott in Northern Colorado. Glad you called. I appreciate your patience of waiting, too. Ditto's from the oil patch. Corey Gardner, Country Rush. Hey, great to have you, sir. Thank you. Hey, what happens if they uh, call witnesses or whatever and, let's say, Hunter decides to claim the fifth? Well, let me ask you what happens in any trial when somebody claims the fifth. What happens before they claim the fifth? Well, I assume there. Mr. Biden, did you accept $38 million a year as a board member of an energy company after having zero experience in anything? I'm sorry, I'm pleading the Fifth Amendment. Oh, Rhea must be guilty. The question that is asked that generates the plea of the Fifth is relevantly in, in court. Uh, you know, trials are a show. A lot of people resent this. But they are they are they are they're an art form. Uh, they're not just pursuits of justice, and they are not simply an attempt to get to the truth. Uh, jury manipulation, if you want to call it that. Um, how many times you see lawyers ask questions? They know the judge is going to tell you. You must disregard everything that stinking lawyer just said. It's impossible to disregard what the stinking lawyer just said. And so that you may not consider that in your deliberations. So the jury says, okay, we can't make it part of the deliberations, but they can't tell if we did and we don't admit it. Um. You know, I I know you're reacting to Senator Graham. Senator Graham said, I think it was on Fox News Sunday yesterday. He said, if they're going to call witnesses, fine. We're going to call them all. We're going to call the Bidens. We're going to call this. We're going to call. I'll believe that when I see it. By the way, it would be great uh, if they did. But pleading the fifth... I don't know. I it, it, it's uh, look until we get you know what what, what we we'll learn what we're dealing with here in terms of the of the rules. And McConnell does. He's got this. He's 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 not going to let this get out of control. He says if they try to turn it into a circus, he's going to kill it. Remember, he runs. They put together the rules. The Republicans run the Senate. They're going to make the rules of this trial, not the chief justice. The, the one thing, and I, I think numerous constitutional authorities will back me up on this, the, the chief justice as judge does not control the courtroom like a judge does in his own courtroom. This is the United States Senate, and the Senate majority leader is Mitch McConnell, and he runs it. So I appreciate the call very much, Scott. We've got a quick break. Back with much more after this. Al Rushbaugh back at it. Full week broadcast to excellence. 800-282-2882. If you want to appear, this is uh, Trish in Lowell. Great to have you with us. Hello. Hi, Rush. It's an honor. Um, I've seen recently in a couple of sources where Nancy Pelosi, Mitt Romney, and John Kerry also have family members that have benefited from the corruption in the Ukraine. And I just wonder how much that has influenced their actions as they move forward during the impeachment trial. And I feel like it needs to be out there and talked about. Um, well, let me see if I can, if I can uh, help out here. There have been, and I've, I've seen a, a number of stories referencing 
the amount of money in political payback, payoff, uh, typical of the way Washington people earn money under the table from Ukraine and that a lot of it is threatened uh, because of what Trump wanted to uproot. Trump wanted to uproot corruption. Now, I don't know the specifics of Pelosi or or uh, Kerry. I, I think John Kerry's area of corruption actually is Iran. Uh, and, and the Romneys, I don't have any direct knowledge of uh, any of that. But the idea that some of this would be uh, in the works in order to protect uh, an existing supply chain, if you will, of paybacks, payments, under-the-table money is not uh, inconceivable. I find, it, I find it fascinating that only the Democrats would call it an abuse of power to investigate corruption. And that is what Trump is essentially what he was essentially doing when when he asked Zelensky in Ukraine to get to the bottom of the Biden relationship with Ukraine and Burisma, the company there. He wanted to find out if a potential future president, Biden, had done things that would make him a blackmail target. Uh, let me share with you a thread, a Twitter thread from Scott Adams. The noted cartoonist. Uh, he is, he's not a conservative. He's a smart guy. And as, as all smart people, he doesn't call himself a conservative. He probably lives his life that way. He, um, he's Mensa smart. Lots of degrees in economics. He's a trained hypnotist, if you didn't know that. But he looks at things differently, is the point. He is by no means any part of conventional wisdom, which I admire. And I want to share with you his take on this entire Ukraine thing, which he believes and admits is something very few people have thought of, and that the Democrats and the media are doing their best to suppress this. He says that this entire response to Trump's phone call with the president of Zelensky in Ukraine has been the best persuasion play of the past year. The Democrats and the media brainwashing the public to not ask the only relevant question about that call that Trump had with Zelensky in Ukraine. He says the only relevant question is this. Is there a legitimate national interest in finding out if the guy leading the polls on the Democrat side to be the next president has any blackmail potential from Ukraine? It's the only relevant question. As far as he looks at this, that's all that matters in this. Not what the whistleblower made up, not what the deep state and all of these civil servants had to say about this or that and the other in their testimony. The only thing that is relevant is what the hell was Trump getting at here? Is there a legitimate national interest in finding out if Biden could potentially be blackmailed if he were to be elected president? Now, a lot of Democrats are going to smirk when they first hear this. 
They're going to say, Trump? Worried about black? Trump is the most blackmailable president. No, he's not. In fact, the truth about Donald Trump is he may be the cleanest politician Washington has had. I don't know of anybody who has been investigated more than Donald Trump. I mean, it's not even close. And they don't have anything. They don't have an impeachable offense. They don't have a crime. All they have is a bunch of made-up allegations. They have attempts to plant evidence. They have attempts to create evidence with the intelligence community, the FBI leadership at the time. But they haven't found a single thing. They All they had in the... Trump-Russia collusion thing, of course, the dossier, and that was all made up. And it was, you know, Trump thought when he was first told about the golden shower story, he thought that he was being blackmailed right then by Comey. Do not doubt me on this, by the way. This is the January 6th meeting, 2017. It's before Trump's inaugurated. The day before is when Comey and Brennan and Clapper had the White House meeting with Obama. And they decide to tell Trump about the dossier and the golden check, because they want that in the news. They want the dossier out there. The best way to make it news is to report that the president-elect has been told about it. So Comey, Clapper, Brennan go to the meeting. After the meeting, Clapper, Brennan leave, and Comey's Mr. President, you see something here, and he shows him the golden shower story. Trump's immediate reaction was, knew this wasn't, it didn't happen. He thought he was being blackmailed. Donald Trump is not blackmailable. Joe Biden, same can't be said, something smells to high wherever throughout the entire Biden political career. So Scott Adams says that should be a top national concern, especially since Russia probably finds out anything Ukraine knows. Ukraine corruption in general matters, but nothing so much as possible influence over the next president. So treating that as the top corruption risk involving Ukraine is sensible. So does it matter if Trump's inner thoughts were only about re-election? No, it doesn't matter. Hill of beans. As long as Trump is working on a national priority, he can benefit politically. If Trump is generally trying to find out if Biden has done something so bad that he could be blackmailed, Trump loves America. He does not want America set up. He doesn't want America used, taken advantage of by all these small fry countries. Everybody knows this by now. If Biden would subject the United States to such blackmail, he wants to find out about it. Now, if he also benefits in the process... That's not a problem, according to the reasoning here of Mr. Adams. Imagine a President Biden negotiating with Ukraine when he knows they probably or might know more about Hunter than we know. Does he go hard at them when it could be bad for his son? Probably not. So does Ukraine have leverage over the United States, say, in European missile defense or whatever, pipelines, natural gas, energy, whatever it is, if the Ukrainians have leverage over the next president, it weakens the United States. This is a centrally important thing. Lev Parnas, who I 
told everybody, and I want, by the way, I want to thank Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity went back to the archives of this program in the Ditto Cam on, on one of his programs last week and put, we on this show back in November predicted that this clown, Lev Parnas, would be one of Adam Schiff's future bombshells. And it turned out to be exactly right. We have the audio sound bites to back up the assertion. So Scott Adams says here, it, Lev Parnas tells us, and by the way, this next point is really crucial. Lev Parnas tells us that getting Ukraine to announce an investigation was Trump's focus because nobody trusted Ukraine to actually do the investigation. Getting them a little bit pregnant with a public announcement creates pressure for them to follow through. So everybody's misunderstood this. On the phone call, Trump asked, and in subsequent meetings with other people, Trump is demanding of Zelensky that you announce the investigation into Biden. Now, everybody on the left and the media has said, this is just Trump trying to win politically. This is Trump trying to embarrass Biden. This is despicable. This is impeachable. This is not what Trump was doing. Trump wanted them to publicly announce it so that they'd be on the hook. It's one thing for Zelensky on the phone to tell him, okay, okay, we'll investigate. They hang up and nothing happens. But if Zelensky is forced to publicly announce the investigation, and by the way, none of this ended up happening, and Ukraine still got all of its money. So if we accept the obvious, that finding out if Biden could be unduly influenced by Ukraine the top national priority, that no one trusted Ukraine to do the right thing via normal, lower-level contacts, what option did Trump have? He used Rudy to hack a broken system, to shake the box, to put pressure on Ukraine any legal way he could. Now, we don't impeach presidents for operating differently than we would have done in the same situation. Trump only operates differently, hacking one system after another, generally successfully. And then Adams concludes, now, if the way I just framed things is the first time you have thought of it this way, and it probably is, you know why I say making you blind to it is the best persuasion play of the past year. In other words, his point is that there's a simple explanation for what Trump did, what he asked, and what he wanted to happen, what he wanted to know, that has not been forthcoming. Now, the rejoinder to this is, well, then why didn't Trump, why doesn't Trump announce, why doesn't Trump say this? There are certain things that you hold in reserve, certain things that you uh, need to protect in internal matters, phone calls with foreign leaders. You, you can't be seen as somebody who's going to blab to the world everything that happens on a phone call or nobody's going to pick up the phone and talk to you. Anyway, let me take a brief time out. We'll come back and continue to roll on right after this. Mr. Snurdly, let me ask you a little question. Now, do, do you, you know, everybody says, let me read to you a paragraph here from Mr. Newt. Mr. Newt's got this piece that ran a couple of days ago, Fox News. Trump impeachment will bring Pelosi... And House Democrats' condemnation by histoire. Uh, And here's a pull quote from his piece. Pelosi has it exactly backward when she says that Trump will be impeached forever. The Senate is going to refuse to convict Trump. 
He will be exonerated, and she and the Democrats will be condemned by history. The wide repudiation of the House Democratic betrayal of the Constitution is already beginning. As a historian myself, I think it's important to document these reactions. Consider Victor Davis Hanson and his analysis, which was subtitled this. The new normal, impeachment as a routine partisan tool, endless investigations, lying under oath with impunity, surveillance of political enemies, zero accountability. So my question to you, everybody under the sun, I myself have said so. There ain't no way Trump gets convicted. No way whatsoever. Do you believe that? Do you think, okay, let me phrase the question a different way. Do you think it is possible Trump could be convicted? Do you think, you don't think that they could find a way to get 20 Republicans to betray Trump? There's a story in the Wall Street Journal today, or maybe it was yesterday, I don't know, that Trump has used a charm offensive and his personal outreach to secure this unprecedented Republican unity. Do you think that this unprecedented Republican unity is because of a Trump charm offensive? I'm asking you, do you think the the, the unquestioned Republican unity is true? Republican Party is unified behind Trump. I can't see, and I know some of you probably are scared to death, that when you hear everybody saying, Trump will be acquitted, you get worried. Because you have seen this before. You have seen conventional wisdom. Something is a lock. It's going to happen all of a sudden out of nowhere. Here comes some bombshell, October surprise or whatever, that blows it all up. It would take 20 Republicans to vote against Trump. To get a conviction. Because they need two-thirds. They need 67 votes in there to get a conviction. It isn't going to happen. But the question about Republican unity, it's not because of a charm offensive. That's not why there's Republican unity. The reason there is Republican unity is because the Democrats don't have a single damn shred of anything. There is nothing. And the only potential Republican weakness here is on the calling of witnesses. And that is only a weakness because the Republicans, some of them, are so, so concerned about appearing fair. Fair. There hasn't been anything fair in this process since it began. And let's trace the beginning, in this case, to the election night of 2016. There hasn't been anything fair. Now we're concerned the Democrats will not get a fair trial if they're not allowed to call certain witnesses. Republican unity is based on the fact that The Democrats are so far out of the mainstream now that going Jeff Flake and joining them would be suicide. And this idea that we've got to be fair, we need to call witnesses and look like, that's an absolute 
non-starter. There isn't a shred of evidence this would be Republicans capitulating and going along and giving the Democrats their circus or show that they are going to try to use and create a PR effort to make it look like Trump has done something, something they have failed to convince a majority of Americans despite three solid years of media lies and distortions. Anyway, let me take a brief time out. Time is rolling, folks, but we will be back. So why is Donald Trump being impeached? It really is not for the first answers to that question of popular head. I, of course, will explain all of this and much more when we get back after a brief obscene profit break here at the top of the hour. (laughs) 